0: I think this is when it hit me. There must be a lot more ideas, innovations, and startups out there that could actually make a difference and could be transforming the way we're looking at the world, but like they never have a chance. Ideas are only the first part of being an innovator. The rest
1: of it is about support and execution. As head of the World Food Program's Innovation Accelerator, Bernard Kovic's goal is to give those game-changing potential ideas the best opportunities to thrive.
0: We are working on solutions using innovation, startups, technology that sustainably change how we are tackling some of these big problems. Bernard is an expert in bringing these ideas to life. And in today's
1: episode, we're going to hear his best advice in doing just that. We'll explore the most valuable guidance for establishing a strong foundation as a startup strategies for seamlessly integrating innovation into established organizations, and we'll talk about the best messaging to secure funding and support. We'll also learn about Bernhard's personal journey that led him into the Innovation Accelerator, including the remarkable innovation that served as a catalyst for its inception. Welcome to Future Nonprofit, a podcast about what it will take to build and scale the nonprofit of tomorrow, I'm your host, Ted Vaughn, partner at Historic and author of Culture Built My Brand. Join me as we unpack the stories and lessons of today's most innovative leaders. Ending world hunger is a big goal, and it keeps getting bigger. The World Food Program has been instrumental in tackling this issue since its inception in 1961, but the magnitude of hunger's proliferation means the issue is increasingly difficult to get
0: ahead of. I mean, when we look at the number of hungry people across the globe, like for, I don't know, three decades, the world has made progress. And now, like the last six years, we are going backwards. And this is fueled by climate change, conflict, and also higher food prices, food inflation, fuel inflation. As Bernard said, climate change plays a pivotal role in the exacerbation of the global
1: hunger crisis. But the silver lining is that as we see the devastating impacts of climate change grow, the need for creative and outside-the-box solutions is becoming impossible to ignore. Which means for innovators, whether they be in startups, NGOs, or newly established divisions within organizations, now is your moment to lean in and pioneer
0: new solutions. A lot more people realize that some of the scientific facts cannot be ignored anymore. We need all hands on deck, we need to make more progress a lot faster, if we want to have a chance to actually still have a livable planet, not just in like very wealthy people, but also like in developing countries, that everybody has a future on this planet. We need innovation, we need technology, we need private sector companies, all of that together in as much as we can to make more progress. And I, I think this is where a lot of these elements come together, including companies now getting committed to like, we need to make more actions ourselves. How can we a positive influence in the fight against climate change? That's why he's in Dubai this week,
1: advocating for innovators at the UN's Climate Change Conference COP28. Bernard has forged close collaborations with innovators across the globe, and his track record is remarkable, exemplified by his own venture, Share the Meal, which we'll learn about shortly. In this episode, we turn to Bernard for invaluable insights and guidance for innovators of all
0: kinds. But let's start by learning a bit more about him. I always had a very big interest in like social impact and impact on this planet, like how I can actually make that happen, but I probably would have never imagined I would do what I'm doing right now. And like so many innovators, his path to his role today was not linear. You need to embrace non-linear pathways or strategic risks to take. A lot of non-profit work or also working for the UN, like it's not like you perform and therefore you will be promoted or like you have done this, therefore you get a raise. It's not functioning that way. For Bernard, that non-linear path started in management consulting at
1: Boston Consulting Group, an experience from which he continues to draw valuable insights to this
0: day. So at university, like when I was doing like my master in business administration, like one of the things I was... Also, like I had a major in strategic management and consulting, actually, for that matter. Back in the days, like what I found fascinating about is like, of course, like the impact orientation of the work that you're doing. Now, in that case, it's the impact that you're creating for companies to make more money. But also, like you're actually creating new businesses, you're actually leading to better results, you're actually creating products that are solving problems that people have at very big scale. So that was something that I found appealing, including like, of course, if you work in management consulting. You're accepting that you're working a lot, but you're also learning a lot. So like, uh, definitely a lot of the things that I, you know, professional skill sets in terms of like, how do you present information? How do you communicate? How do you actually analytically solve a problem? Like you, you learn a lot of basic skill sets that are valuable in lots of different settings. After five years at Boston Consulting Group, Bernard would then go on to take a role as
1: the head of business innovation at the World Food Program, utilizing the skills he
0: learned in his consulting. It was a role that was essentially like in the business or the uh, CFO's area of the World Food Programme. And that's what I used to actually build up the business innovation team, kind of the internal management consulting team that also still exists. And for me, this was one of the things where I was asking myself, well, the organization actually is very private sector oriented. Like a lot of people actually have this mindset of in the world that we're in right now, there's like up to 783 million hungry people. Helping people, whether it's in emergencies, physical food, cash-based transfers, but then also working with smaller farmers, school meals. It's very business-oriented. Like you can actually measure the success of what you're doing like very tangibly, which is also something why I believe like what World Food Program and a lot of other organizations do as well. It's like, it is very tangible what you do. Like I literally use the exact same skills that are used in private sector just for uh, the World Food Program, doing like process optimization, like supply chain optimization. optimization, looking into like how to do better fundraising, things like that. It was in this
1: experience that he started to realize his passion for innovative problem solving.
0: When I look back and what I did for projects for clients at BCG, you know, not all of that is you don't have full control of about the projects or uh, the companies that you work for. But like I ended up doing a lot of this kind of creating new businesses, creating a new product, creating better marketing for these types of products. This is an intentional choice where it's about like, okay, how can we actually create better outcomes? How can we create solutions to problems that maybe have been there before?
1: Drawing inspiration from his tenure at the World Food Programme and the expertise he was cultivating in the realm of innovation, Bernard decided to do something
0: different, something of his own. I was discussing with a friend and we realized that it only costs the World Food Program 80 cents to feed a child for a day. At the time we were actually quite shocked because I don't think a lot of people really know that. And we had this idea of like, well, you know, imagine people would know this and you have, would have this button on your phone and like you would have a dinner conversation or you're going out with friends, you're enjoying yourselves. Why wouldn't you share that meal with a child in need? Oh, sure. And so this is how essentially the idea behind Share the Meal came about.
1: So Bernard and his co-founder, Sebastian Stricker, started Share the Meal. It's a simple concept. A user downloads the app and clicks a button to donate 80 cents. And that 80 cents pays for the World Food Program to provide one meal to
0: someone in need. And it worked. There's over 190 million shared meals already. So soon 200 million shared meals, over $130 million. It was also App of the Year by both Apple and Google in the year 2020. Share the Meal started with an
1: assumption that simplifying the process of donating could potentially address the shifting trends
0: in generational giving habits. We really want to make sharing your meal, donating, simple. It's geared towards like mobile-first users, young people who are like, they want transparency about where their money goes. They want to have choice where the money goes. And it's not just, well, let's create a donation app. It's there's actually an emotional connection behind, I want to share my meal with a child in need. I think, which I, I still think that was one of the key success factors why people actually believe in like doing that is not just a random app, but a, there's actually a, a thing that you're creating behind it. A lot of people joined like, so it's like a lot of organizations, companies that said like, hey, you know, that's actually smart. Like, why wouldn't we support more of that? But it wasn't always perceived as the game changer it is today. You know, Share the Meal is one of those things where, why did that not exist before? Of course it should exist, right? It's also funny, like at the time when we started this, like we had lots of people that came to us and said, great, this is gonna transform the world. And others said, well, Great gimmick, but it's never going to work. In hindsight, nobody would have expected it to ever be as successful as it is. It's one of those things, if we hadn't tried, we wouldn't know what is happening. So after the success of Share the Meal, Bernard wanted to give other ideas the same opportunities and support. When my friend Sebastian and I started Share the Meal, we were able to convince other people to support us pro bono. There was a moment when like 20 people were working on Share the Meal and nobody was getting paid. Yes, we were able to actually like, pull this off also because we were able to find individuals who wanted to support, who want to be part of this journey. Companies, lots of supporters that say like, hey, that's a great idea. We want to support this. And there just weren't that many social impact accelerators out there like or support systems for social entrepreneurs. I think this is when it hit me. There must be a lot more ideas, innovations and startups out there that could actually make a difference and could be transforming the way we're looking at the world, but like they never have a chance. And I think this actually was the kickstarting of a journey of saying, you know, having this idea, we need this kind of replication of a startup accelerator, like what Silicon Valley does, but for global social good. And at the same time, getting funders on board to say like, okay, that's a way how we can pursue innovation, but also de-risk innovations in startups. Because I think on the one hand, innovations are risky, but like something like a startup accelerator, that actually increases your chances of success. And so in
1: 2015, Bernard went back to the World Food Program and developed the Innovation Accelerator. We've got to raise our game. We need ever more brilliant new technologies and innovations. So we had an idea, technology, Business, microinsurance, big data, mobility, social media, and more. Coming together with the people who can connect the dots social entrepreneurs, designers, scientists, coders, creatives, creators. A world class accelerator of ideas, a hub of ambition and imagination. Zero Hunger just got one step closer. The World Food Program Innovation Accelerator is here. Bernard now serves as head of the Innovation Accelerator. He shared a few of the startups they've supported.
0: At the World Food Program, we're using a tool called Optimus. It's a big data optimization tool for supply chain and food baskets for people. So in the last couple of years, we already saved $50 million that were reinvested in more food for people using big data analytics. And this is an example of like, would not have been possible if we were somebody would manually do this, but now it's possible. Another example, we've been supporting a startup called Nihilus, they are connecting ugly foods to urban food deserts. Right now they are using an app and community buying. They now make healthy food affordable to people who otherwise could not actually buy healthy foods in food deserts in urban settings. And This would also not have been possible without technology, without great startup mindsets and so on and so forth. And their support extends beyond just nonprofits. And then there's still the power of like private sector investments. So we've been giving World Food Program beneficiaries, people who typically would be excluded from microfinance, access to finance to increase, like invest in their smallholder farms, invest into the small business. So it's actually a program called SheCan. 70% of the recipients of that are actually like women that receive loans through that program. And it's working amazingly well where these types of examples give me hope, where it's we see you can make a difference through some of these things that are still early stage, like Optimus saved $50 million already. Think about the impact that we can have like, at large scale with all of that.
1: There's a lot to learn from Bernard. He's been in the business consulting world, the nonprofit world. He's developed and scaled his own successful startup. And now he's supporting innovative nonprofits and social good enterprises around the world. We talked to Bernard for over an hour, and there were so many profound takeaways that we want to share with you. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to start with a rapid-fire advice segment, with the first few pieces of advice geared toward new and budding innovators, and the rest geared toward organizations looking to bring innovation into their space. Then we'll slow things down and get into the advice that all innovators across the board should follow. All right, rapid-fire time. This one is for the new
0: and budding
1: innovators. It all starts
0: with track record. Be excellent at your job, whatever the job is. And I'm saying this half jokingly, but like, it's really an element. Like if you want to innovate, want people to take you seriously, they will look at your track record of touching stuff. If you work on things and you make it happen, you have a track record of achieving things, senior leaders, they are a lot uh, more likely to take you seriously if you've always delivered on the things that you're working on. We'll call that step zero. If you have that, here's what you need to do next. Step one is you. if you're working on a startup, you need a co-founder or somebody. One is because that's actually good proof that If you are passionate, you can convince at least one other person that this is worth solving. Very good, right? If you have two people at least, you also have balancing, uh, you're balancing it out specifically in a startup uh, or if you're doing to try something like really innovative, there will be challenges like, and you know it already right now. Now you can actually work with that by testing it early, learning early, trying to like co-develop with the people that are going to use it. So you're de-risking your learning faster rather than Later, If you have at least two people who are like doing this together, then the chance that one of the two people is always motivated, upbeat and wants to actually still keep on going is actually a lot higher. And now for organizations seeking to be more innovative or to unlock innovation from within. You need to innovate now so that when an emergency hits, you are prepared to then deploy the solution you've already developed.
1: Innovative ideas grow out of organizational cultures that allow for creativity and structured risk-taking. That means culture is a critical place to start.
0: One element that is crucial is whenever people are thinking about like, how do we do innovation? The culture of the organization really does make a difference. Is innovation something that's welcomed? Is it encouraged? How is innovation seen generally? Or are you still in a very hierarchically traditional way where essentially new ideas are not being welcomed? Who can actually do this? We've talked a lot about building a culture for innovation in some
1: past episodes. So if you wanna go deeper into that, I recommend the interview with Rodney Evans from Brave New Work in episode number two. Bernard also has some good advice about the organizational structure necessary to support innovation.
0: The first step change in your ability to innovate is when there's at least one person whose job title mandate is innovation as such, because then that person has the mandate and like can actually go around and actually facilitate things, share knowledge, like get people together. In the next step changes then typically once you start actually building up some sort of central capacity at least because that allows you to then also have more leverage on like whatever you're having and ideally paired with access to executives or like decision makers in the organizations and funding. I'll give you an example like at the World Food Program one of the first thing we did for of, even before we started our accelerator we did a World Food Program innovation challenge that was sent out by our, our executive director where everybody across the world could participate and say like hey i've either done something already i've implemented an innovation or i have a new idea and like say come forward and the executive director of the world food program like the global ceo she essentially awarded those teams with that innovation award this next
1: bit is for everyone In the nonprofit world, showing empathy for those we serve and for those who support our cause is an essential skill for success. And it's even
0: more critical for innovation. Empathy is probably one of the core aspects of innovation and sometimes People may get, they, they may not recognize it as, as empathy, but like you also like see it as like behavioral science or human centered design or accountability towards affected populations. Like th- there's an underlying current here, which is like we need to listen to the people we are serving and like we should solve people's problems that are real problems rather than things that we are not sure if it's an actual problem. Listening to the people you want to help goes far beyond the initial understanding of an issue. This is also where it can be a tool to overcome complicated unknowns and challenges where you might have a view on like whether solution A or solution B is right. But like if you co-develop with the people that you're serving, you will actually get valuable input and data based on what you're learning from those people. The importance of empathizing with and actively listening to
1: others cannot be overstated. Every individual possesses distinct perspectives on life experiences. And if your goal is to foster fresh and innovative ideas within your organization, the most effective approach is to prioritize diversity
0: and to capitalize on those different experiences. We're trying to be like as diverse as we possibly can be. Now, there's still room to actually be more diverse for us. I think this is also something that as a i mean we're part of the united nations world food program so something that core values that we take to our hearts but it's also relevant for making innovation happen in in munich in germany like we're over 80 people here actually right now because we're running these 16 accelerator programs and it's 45 different nationalities and like 67 percent female by the way but it's it's actually like one of the reasons why we have so many different actually backgrounds is also, yes, we want people who have the empathy for different cultural backgrounds, for different contexts, having worked in different spheres. Like I I think there's an element that is very real, specifically in the innovation angle, you want to have diverse teams with different viewpoints. Now, when the word innovation
1: comes up, the concept of risk inevitably takes center stage. You can't break barriers without it. We've talked a lot about overcoming the fear of failure in pursuit of innovation in previous episodes, specifically with Latte Latergo lawson from Oxfam. But Bernard also offers valuable insights on how to
0: confront that fear and simultaneously reduce your risk. Specifically in social impact or nonprofits, you don't necessarily want to fail. You don't want to put people at risk. You also don't want to waste money. But this is where it's interesting, like when you're using things like lean startup thinking, human-centered design, you can actually learn a lot faster and you're de-risking, you're actually avoiding waste. And I think that's a concept that for a lot of people who have been like brainwashed in the traditional thinking, I need to first plan for six months, then I prepare for six months, and then I start implementing. If you compress like the planning, preparing, and implementation into, you literally do this within one week and you start learning immediately getting feedback into your product design, into your service design, you're actually de-risking, you're learning faster, you're building something that actually solves the problem that a client, a user of the solution has. And I, I think that's a really, really powerful element of innovation, innovation methodologies that it's not just necessarily failure or risky. You can actually be better in solving people's problems by using innovation of these methodologies. Even when you've overcome the fear of risk, it's still
1: going to be a consistent battle to convince others to do the same. It's the common ground for all of us in the nonprofit space, funding. Everything we do relies on our ability to convince others of its worthiness and get their investment and partnership. Forget just the startups they support, even the Innovation Accelerator itself faces this reality.
0: Almost everything that we're doing so far is I mean, it's actually a grant funded. So we are constantly also looking for funders, partners who are coming to us and actually enable our work that we're doing. And to a certain extent, I can prove that what we're working on like makes a difference and like we have, you know, a multiplier on the funds we get to like the impact that you're having. So in terms of like, if somebody has a business mindset, like, it's the exact same thing. You invest based on that investment, you multiply your investment. That's essentially what we are, what we're working on. Now, what's sometimes can be frustrating is like, it actually doesn't matter how much impact you have because you still need to convince people in a nonprofit environment that what you're working on is worthwhile and like it's worthwhile the money. We actually should invest a lot more money in doing a lot more of that good thing to actually have more impact. You know, at times it can also be challenging our legal division, like colleagues, there, like, they're actually like one of our biggest champion of enabling innovation. And like, we have this running joke saying, well, there's no precedent for doing this. And it's like, exactly. So this is why it's called innovation. That's why brand and
1: messaging strategies are key. Inspiring confidence in donors when their investment is going into something unproven or new or risky can be complex and challenging. Bernard is consistently advocating for innovative solutions as a whole on the world stage. As we mentioned at the top of this episode, as this airs, he is in Dubai for COP28 talking about this very thing. Part of the work at the Innovation Accelerator is helping innovators get their messaging right. And the biggest piece of advice that
0: Bernard has is keeping it simple. If you ask me communication or marketing skills, like it's one of the elements that will be a game changer for if you want to achieve something big. The reason for that is simple is like, you need to think about the audience. I know this audience who is going to receive your message. Now, if you have university professors, it might be fine to send like very long documents that are very complex. In a lot of cases, you need to think about like who is on the receiving end. And even if they're very smart, maybe they have limited time, maybe they are not the experts in the topic. So like what you actually need to achieve, like when you're working on a big challenging topic or you're working on a startup that is doing something that is tremendous in terms of impact, great technology, uh, great impact, you need to be able to get to people's hearts and like also convince them that what you're working on is relevant to practice that skill
1: you can take inspiration from what the innovation accelerator includes in their programs one
0: thing we're doing in almost all of our programs we're essentially having people do like pitch their startup idea like a 3 minute pitch which is like what people would do in silicon valley otherwise and the specific reason for that is like that's a skill that You need every day, you need when talking to partners, you need when you actually want to convince a funder because you need to have your pitch nailed in terms of like, what's the problem you're trying to solve? What's your solution? What's the impact that you could have with that solution? And if you can't make the case, it is going to be problematic because like sometimes you might have the best idea, but people might not listen to you anymore because they've already mentally moved on. Keeping things
1: simple can be really difficult when the technology or ideas are new and unprecedented. So here are three things to remember in your messaging. First, speak clearly to the why behind your innovation. Don't get so lost in the details of your innovation that you risk making the very purpose behind it blurry or unclear. Next, empathy means crafting messaging with your end user in mind. This means having a robust understanding of who that end user is, their hopes, fears, and everyday realities. The language you use should be crafted with them in mind. Be intentional about avoiding words or phrases that might be unhelpful or triggering for them. And last, name the risk and challenging realities of what you're attempting to do. People love to support an underdog they believe in, that they have confidence in. So don't avoid the challenging realities that come with innovation. Name them in a confident way and demonstrate how you will overcome them. With the amount of valuable insight and advice Bernard has shared with us in this single podcast episode, it's clear why
0: the innovation accelerator has had such a big impact. By the end of last year, The startups and innovation we supported positively impacted a total of 37 million people already, and they've raised a total of $200 million essentially to help scale those startups and innovation already. So looking into like, do they make a difference? They do, and they do that at scale, which is insanely amazing. As an advocate for
1: innovation on the world stage, Bernard and the Innovation Accelerator are always looking for more
0: collaborators in various forms we are always looking for the best ideas innovation startups across the globe so like actually everybody can apply on our website it's innovation.wfp.org people can actually follow us for inspiration of like other startups or innovation that we're supporting we also of course always looking for funding for the work that we're doing by now we are also having our first ever Loan fund to support startups together with UNCDF, but I, I think this is an element of if anybody out there wants to collaborate, we are eager to share our learnings with others. We are trying to open source as much as we can so that others can replicate what we do. We are also offering services to others where you know they say, hey, we we have a need. We actually want to run an accelerator program, innovation program. It's actually something that we're doing because we recognize. There's so much more potential with innovation out there. Whatever we can do to get there, I think is something we should be pursuing. Our conversation
1: with Bernard has been packed full of valuable takeaways. So let's recap some of the key themes. First, set yourself up for success. This encompasses a few things he talked about. To start, you need to build a strong track record. If you want to convince people to take risks on your ideas, you need to build the reputation that you can execute. And when you're ready, bring a partner on for a second perspective and shared passion so you're more likely to follow through. Second, empathy and diversity are at the core of innovation. New ideas come from challenging your perspective and more deeply understanding others. You can't do that if you're not willing to practice empathy with those you intend to help, those you ask for support, and the team you build around you. Diversity of experiences and perspective is crucial. You need to build a team that prioritizes empathy and diversity if you want to see new ideas get traction and succeed. Next, Bernhard talked about de-risking innovations by not being afraid to just try things early. Trial and error are an essential part of making new ideas work. And lastly, getting the messaging right is everything. Don't overcomplicate it. Get that elevator pitch down to a science and make the purpose compelling and easy to understand. Even if you pitch your idea to people who will understand the intricacies, don't overwhelm them with information upfront. Keep it simple, build intrigue, communicate your why, and fill in those extra details when needed. Grab their attention first. That's everything from this episode. If you want to learn more about building a culture of innovation, I recommend checking out our conversation with Rodney Evans from Brave New Work in episode number two. I'm Ted Vaughn, and this is Future Nonprofit. If you want to hear more stories from experts in the industry to learn how to take your nonprofit into the future, subscribe to the podcast and visit makehistoric.com.
0: Future Nonprofit is a production of Lower Street and Historic Agency. Produced by Jackie Lamport, Mark Miller, Ben Crannell, James Bladle, and Ted Vaughn. Written by Jackie Lamport and Katie Whitehorn. Edited by Ben Crannell. Visit futurenonprofit.com for a transcript of this episode.